Cho Fang was, as a matter of fact, a girl of passable good looks and more than average intelligence. Her brother had entertained hopes of trading on these assets in order to ally himself matrimonially with some powerful or aristocratic family. An ambition which had hitherto led him to look frowningly on lesser offers, with the result that, at the relatively great age of 22, Cho Fang remained unbetrothed. For the fact of the matter was, that the powerful and aristocratic families with whom he sought alliance looked on Fu Shi as an impoverished pen pusher, deficient in both breeding and refinement, and showed not the slightest inclination to want his sister as a daughter-in-law. However, Fu Shi went on cultivating his intimacy with the Jia family, and was still not without hopes of realising his ambition in that direction. talk through what happens first okay yeah Uh, and so having kind of won over her slightly uh, won her over slightly he he says could you bring me the soup so that I can I can drink it Um, and she says you know I'm not going to feed you the soup I'm you know in her case it's under the the kind of pretext that she's never been good at feeding other people but obviously the the implied point is I'm not going to feed you because you're responsible for my sister's death. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bao Yu says, it's fine, I will feed myself, I just can't go over there and get it because I can barely walk. And and to make a point, he begins to ra- lift himself up from the bed and then kind of falls back with a cry. Um, and so she does take pity on this, um, mm-hmm. on him for this for this gesture. And um, mm-hmm. This strikes me as very manipulative, by the way. It, it is a bit, isn't it? And she makes this comment about, in English, it's past sin, present suffering. You've got your retribution without having to wait for it. So you needn't expect me to feel sorry for you. So she's suggesting that his punishment for his role, I suppose, in Golden Suicide Mm -hmm. um, was the the beating he received from his father, you know, and so he's kind Mm -hmm. of, he's kind of received that punishment already. But yeah, she does go over and and, um, bring him the soup. And um, having tasted it, he says that it doesn't taste nice. You know, he says it, it's, it's no good. And silver is incredulous. And so Bao Yu says, well, look, if you don't believe it, uh, taste it for yourself. Uh, and so she, she takes a spoonful and tastes it. Um, and then Bao Yu says, aha, uh, now it tastes much better. Like, now that you've, now that you've sweetened it with your... Um, by sharing it with me, I suppose. Yep. So, he, yeah, he, he like, I guess, like, harassment accomplished. Uh, it, it, it's a, I, I guess it's a, uh, what, what do you think of that? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it like, I think for all of his, like, 
earnest efforts to to bring her back on side before this yeah rather undermines all of that doesn't it i i think it's clearly well i mean i I guess it's ambiguous on on one hand it seems um in in good humor uh and yet at the other uh, the other hand it's like i I think it it it, like classifies as like sexual harassment (laughs) you know again not to use our like modern terms but you you can see it here it is a bit it is a bit like that Um, he doesn't come off very well from this scene but uh, i mean she does kind of indulge it a bit so i mean he's saying oh now it tastes better and she says well just a minute ago you were saying it was no good so i'm gonna take it away from you then uh and so you know she picks up the picks up the soup and, and takes it across the room um that's a good response yeah anyway at this point they are interrupted by two uh, old ladies who have come from Mr. Fool uh, to pay mm-hmm. Baoyu a visit. So this is uh, a, a man called Fu Shi, an assistant sub-prefect who has started life as one of Jia Zheng's protégés and made his way up in the world, largely by trading on Jia Zheng's reputation. And so w- we've talked before about how Jia Zheng has this kind of coterie of... Um, kind of hangers on they are um educated men but they're normally of limited financial means and so they kind of rely on him for support um and as a result they are really kind of um uh, obsequious brown nosing you know types um but this is clearly one of the success stories um in that he's managed to make a bit of a career for himself um and so even though he's no longer kind of part of the household and he's gone off to kind of make something of himself in the world he still frequently you know visits to pay compliments and give gifts and things now Baoyu for his part as we know rather despises this kind of person the career man the ambitious man the one who kind of plays the plays the game of Mm -hmm. um of kind of like politics and and networking as we might think of it in the modern sense He's a, he's a phony. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and so usually he wouldn't care for it. <laughs> the, the line in the Hawks is actually quite good. Now, if there were two sorts of people, Baoyu could not at any price abide. They were stupid old women and pushing young men. It may therefore seem strange that these two old nannies, sent by the egregious Fu Shi, should have been accorded instant admission to his sick room. The reason was that Baoyu had heard that Fu Shi had a younger sister called Fu Qiufang. So, as we hear, Fu Shi has this younger sister who he is hoping to marry to the son of a noble family and in doing so, kind of by himself, a degree of kind of legitimacy that he currently lacks. But it kind of shows you that, yeah, like the, the commodification that we know in this era was actually occurring within the family yeah which is which is a like kind of a hard thing to wrap your mind around because we think of the family as this like like shelter against market forces right Mm -hmm. like yeah (laughs) presumably like uh your your parents didn't like get out a uh like a a two-sided ledger before you know deciding whether to have children you see what i mean like yeah it's not you don't think of like children or your your brother or sister as like uh, potential assets to be mm. uh to be utilized strategically yeah. social strategically but that's 
pretty common, I think. Yeah. But but historically, that, that has been the case. Yeah, yeah. Um, and very much so here. Um, and, it, you know, it's a familiar story from not just Chinese literature, but literature of many different, you know, parts of the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this isn't distinctly, quote-unquote, Chinese in any sense. No, no, not at all. Not at all. I mean, it's it's, you know, it's the... It's kind of there's a Jane Austen quality to it, I think. Um, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, and so we we learn a little bit about uh, Chiofang, uh, literally autumn fragrance is what her name means. Yeah. In the Hawks, it says she was a a girl of passably good looks and more than average intelligence. Mm -hmm. um, and so Bao Yu has these like these kind of like he's never met her yet, but perhaps for that very reason, his. Uh, you know, his imagination has free reign. Mm. Even though as a, a 22-year-old, she's probably seven or eight years his senior. Right. Um, That's interesting, yeah. Yeah. So she, she it's it's remarked upon that she's a relatively advanced age for a woman at that time to be unmarried. Um, mm -hmm. And th we think this is basically because Fulcher, her older brother, has not yet found a, a match for her that will be appropriately kind of career advancing for him right um and so you can imagine that kind of that's a difficult situation she's she's described as uh so literally like a a of beautiful or like elegant jade of a like of the um it's kind of hard to explain exactly. Like Chonggui is like a is a like a lady's chambers, but like a like the fine, elegant chambers. So she's the kind of beautiful jade of a of a fine chamber kind of thing. So so describing her in this particular, yeah, kind of slightly objectifying way, I suppose. And she is further described as Cai Mao Quan, so kind of complete in both talent and appearance, or intelligence and appearance. You know, but we hear that basically um, he's been, despite kind of flogging her uh, here and there, you know, mm. hawking, hawking her, um, he's been a unable to find a, a match among a an aristocratic family um, because they they rightly suspect that he is nothing more than just an impoverished scholar, and his um, they fear that his gunji is. Qianbo. So his his pedigree probably is rather kind of thin and insubstantial. And so consequently he's they would gain nothing from the match and so they, they would not agree to it. But in this case it seems, yeah, for one reason or another the Jazz are, are maybe are maybe entertaining the, the match. We we don't really know at what stage this is, but if he if Fulcher is sending servants round to kind of do an appraisal of Bayou then yeah this may be must be at least partly like some progress must have been made in part um on a potential match and it's you know it's partly uh due to um Bao Yu's engagement with these these new you know these these strangers in his midst that he uh clumsily um causes the soup to be spilled on his hand 
um because you know he both he and silver were kind of um preoccupied with these you know these these two old women who are visiting and i guess you know she uh she scolds him yeah right and we could probably list all the different times that Bao Yu has been like injured, right? <laughs> we seem to have a decent like list now. We have the the candle wax, mm-hmm. the beating. This. Uh, n- now we have a scolding. We had the we, kind there of. There's also the incident. He was the the voodoo. Yeah. Issue. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, um... I forgetting anything. And just, I, I think Dai Yu has hit him a few times, just you know, on account. I'm just trying to think if there are any others. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like most teenage boys, he's kind of in the wars. A- a- anyway, so even though the soup has scolded Bayou's hand rather than Silver's, he, being still in his kind of like um, conciliatory mood, he asks after her first. You know, he checks that she's okay first um, before worrying about himself. And so once the spill is cleaned up, he decides to stop eating and he just takes a little tea and he speaks with the old woman a bit longer um, and then eventually they they depart. Um, and we have this like short scene where they're talking um, between themselves and they were not impressed. Right? <laughs> no, they were not. Uh, they have some good, they've heard like stories, right? Mm. So what, what have they heard? They heard the story of, you know, when he... Remember, because this will be important later in the chapter, uh, the, the story of his um, coming across the girl writing Chang on the ground. Yes. In the... Uh, in the Rose Pergola. In the Rose Pergola, yes. Yeah. He, he like, kind of uh, dumbly, like, he's like, you know, you're in the rain. You, are you, Do you know you're getting wet right now? Yeah. And then, like, and her response is like, you too <laughs> yeah he's standing out in the rain getting soaked and he's telling her oh you need to get inside you'll catch a cold kind of thing without a thought to himself they've heard that story hmm. uh they've heard stories of him talking to talking to animals talking hmm. to the moon yeah um and his his kind of unpredictable moods so you know sometimes he'll smash priceless things in a fit of anger and other times he'll you know demand that they save leftover thread um even though it's nearly worthless it sounds like they they have a decent sense for what's going on mm. these these examples are all are all apt i think yeah the, the the way they describe him is uh xiang mao hao li tou hu tu so xiang mao hao is like attractive appearance but Little inside his head, Hutu, all muddled, all mm-hmm. all kind of mixed up, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or they use this other phrase, "zhong kan bu zhong shi," so like, good to look at, but not good to eat. Um, you know, <laughs> like uh, nice on the outside, but all kind of rotten within. Uh-huh. Um, but I do think it's funny that the the surest sign that he is soft or like he's 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 you know not right in the head is that he's showed a kind of caring attitude towards one of the servants you know in their presence so his concern over silver scolding her hand rather than his own hand is a sign that he's there's something wrong with him you know that's interesting right the the correct thing to do would be to be kind of selfish and indeed maybe to scold or hit her for having spilled soup on him 
Okay. Yeah. So maybe they've been their own kind of social circumstances have rendered them rather yeah, callous they be, to. Yeah, they maybe internalized a particular set of you know the appropriate way to act towards servants or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually that, that's again pretty believable. That's a plausible. Yeah. I, I see a lot of that kind of dynamic. Uh, in various ways. There, right. there is just one, one thing which I realize is skimmed over, which is um, the description of Fu Shu. Um, they use this term, um, but the description of Fu Shu is as a bao fa. So this is like to burst out, to explode forth, something like that. Um, and it, it literally, it means something like, uh, we would say like nouveau riche in English. Um, you know. So essentially someone who is not from... Um, a wealthy or noble family, but who's made their way up in the world, you know. Okay, um, yeah, he's uh, like a East Egg or, or is it West Egg? Whichever one Gatsby is living. Right. In. I, I think it's West West Egg or is the new money. East Egg is the old money. Right. Yes, that sounds right. That sounds right. Um, uh, I mean, a, a common modern term in 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 Chinese is um, Tu Hao. So like uh, Earth earth royalty or like earth nobility so like dirt so it's to say you're like you are now like you're rich enough now to be like um like a like a, a shenshi laoban and buy a lot of like hummers and stuff and like you, know, you, you have the money but you don't know how to you really don't know how to spend it right you know the appropriate thing is to be like um uh is it kate blanchett's character in the talents of mr ripley uh where she talks at length about how much she she despises money you know despite being a wealthy heiress. Um, <laughs> she plays the part more convincingly, right? Yeah. So they've left with a very poor opinion of him. So perhaps this will be the end of any any uh, courtship between Bao Yu and Qiu Fang. So I guess, yeah, so we've, we've talked about uh, Bao Yu and Silver. So I guess the next kind of issue is Bao Yu and Oriole, mm -hmm. right? Who had been sort of um, delayed... Uh, on account of values overcompensating for his guilty feelings about Golden. Yeah. Aroma's there in the beginning. Uh, she's eventually sent off in in a similar kind of dynamic where it seems to be that Baoyu is trying to just get a little space mm. and he he sends her off to to have her meal. And so I think the context for so Oriole is is supposed to make him this kind of um uh how do you say like a case for his his magic jade i believe this is what dayu had made for him but in a characteristic fit of anger had taken to with the scissors yeah she cut it cut it up into pieces in a in a fit of peak yep and so that's kind of a, a way to connect this scene to some earlier scenes we've been uh discussing in previous yeah. chapters and maybe he's been a bit too busy lately with being severely beaten to worry too much about um, making a new, making a new string for the like a, a new case for your yeah uh, jade uh, yeah. iPod. <laughs> um. <laughs> so she's very skilled at this kind of thing of um, yeah braiding silk thread to make different kind of patterns, um, and so he. Um, she he asks her to kind of talk him through what the different patterns are, what the different kind of you know forms are, uh, to see what would suit best. Um, at the same time that he's going to be asking her questions about herself, mm. you know his usual 
curiosity and maybe kind of nosiness coming through. And there's also uh, in the comments to follow, there's this very much a sense of were he to marry a Baochai, you know, she would kind of um, this this particular maid would be sort of, I guess, like part of the package. Yeah, she would she would to, join to it, his service as well. You know, materialistically. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what kind of detail we should go into here. This whole section is interesting for anyone who's interested in um, historical Qing era, um, like fashion and decorative embroidery. And some of this is probably related to some styles and clothing at the time. Yeah, it's quite difficult to imagine, isn't it? She she talks through the different types you know she says there are really only three types there's fan tassels rosary nets and net and tassel fringes for sashes so i guess fan tassels you know everyone would have carried a fan to keep themselves cool and hanging off the bottom of the fan would be a is usually kind of a small gem or token okay and presumably that would hang on a kind of embroidered or like braided string um mm -hmm. Rosary nets, well, that's presumably for the kind of prayer beads that we've seen mentioned before. And net and tassel fringes for sashes. So yeah, anything that hangs on a sash will have a, a embroidered edge. Honestly, it sounds incredibly ugly to me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about you, but the I guess like my main encounters with these sorts of things are in, um, in the UK, you have um, often like uh, some upholstery has like a like tasseled edge um so you know certain kinds of like chairs or curtains um would have that sort of thing and then also people so it's not necessarily a negative association but it also isn't kind of like high high fashion you know it does seem very kind of old-fashioned to me um well i mean we're talking yeah like hundreds of years maybe yeah well, maybe old-fashioned <laughs> maybe the the swing of fashion i mean i could see sash fringes coming back like i'm roaring this back, style yeah. you never know it's <laughs> you, just, you, you if you know. set your your timeline long enough you, you'll mm. catch the the next iteration of the sine wave yeah they're going to be very hot in the 2170s maybe Who yeah knows? there you go <laughs> um yeah but I, I do think given how ornamental like all of the things being described uh, in, in this book are it's like you almost need to have it here, or it would seem too austere. It, it would, it would, it would, it would mm. the lack of ornamentation would be um, jarring, maybe. Yeah. Um, they mention a lot of different colors as well. They, they, in the Hawks, there's, you know, black, crimson, navy blue. So yeah, we have a we have a lot of talk of of color. Uh, and and also of the different um, the patterns of the different styles. Oh yeah, the different patterns, right? So stick patterns, ladder patterns, diamond, double diamond, mm -hmm. linked rings, flower pattern, willow leaf. You know, um, I would say here that this is it gets so detailed here that this is great if you're interested in uh, like material <laughs> history. But I, I don't think yeah. this is symbolic yeah. necessarily right here. Like there's just too much details i think we're just supposed to kind of um just you know like have some fun swim in the uh yeah. in the kind of like a profusion of particularity but yeah uh, immerse yourself in the in the the very different nature of the culture of the time you know th this is not as bad as that one 
uh, chapter where they just simply list the ingredients of that one <laughs> medication. But it's... Or they listed all of the gifts that were given. Right. And, you know, <laughs> after Yuan visited, she gave, you know, all of these different gifts to people. I, I, yeah, that was that was quite tedious. But I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and say not symbolic. All right. <laughs> what what may be symbolic is the discussion of Oriole's name. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um so so once they finish talking about, you know, sash patterns and um diamonds and double diamonds, um we hear that well, Baoyu just gets to kind of chatting to Oriole about herself generally. Um, and so we, um, she, he asks her age, 14 or 15, uh, it's, yeah, anyway, 14 the, or 15. Because of the difference in the Chinese counting system. Oh, of That's course. That's what's going on here. So you're, you're counted from you, you're conception. You're like, rather. as soon as you're born, you're what? <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and that's, Hawk's um, kind of like, I guess he just took that into, into account. Adjusts. Uh, her surname, which is Huang, meaning yellow, mm-hmm. and we learned that she was originally called uh, Huang Huang Jinying, mm-hmm. so yellow gold oriole. Um, um, but this was considered um, this was considered alcohol, which means like a mouthful, uh-huh. difficult to say, and so it was changed to from Jinying to Yingar. Um, just Oriole, not Golden Oriole. But do you not think that that's maybe an excuse? Well, I think there's two things going on here. One is that if this maid were with, or if, if she had been with uh, uh, Bao Chai for long enough, hmm. it's possible when Bao Chai was younger, she couldn't say it. And so they, they just like, she would just say Ying, you know, because she can't say Jing. It's maybe it's too much right, for her, yeah. right? Or it's hard to yeah. make that distinction. And so then, like, you know, whatever whatever she says becomes the new, you know. Mm. That's one possible explanation. My other explanation yeah. was that it's just, you know, like, this this name's a little too fancy for, like, a maidservant. It's a kind of, like, yeah. symbolic castration, basically. Well, I thought that it might be a bit similar to the maid Crimson. So if you remember, she's now known as Xiao Hong, so Little Red. But she originally was Hong Yu, so Red Jade. And this was thought to be, in a similar way, I guess, too kind of um, too grand a name for a maid. Especially mm-hmm. given Bao Yu and Dai Yu both having that Yu Jade character in their name. Um, but there's, I think, maybe a similar sense here because Bao Chai is so closely associated with gold. And, you know, the Chai part of her name is like a, it's like a golden hairpin, right. you know. Um, that maybe part mm-hmm. of it was whether Balchai herself made the decision or somebody more senior. The feeling was that it was inauspicious or perhaps just not really acceptable for a maid to share, maybe if not the same character, at least some of the same meaning as her as her mistress in, in the name. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just a mini version of the you know you can't speak the the emperor's personal name. It's like it's like taboo space it's un- unspeak- mm-hmm. unspeakable and we're going to see the same thing happen to caltrop later on uh, yeah a really a really comparable uh and i, I think here because it's emerges. because it's because balchai has a reputation for being such a kind of um uh congenial type mm-hmm. it's perhaps not acceptable for the story to be that she just said i don't want to have my i don't want my maid having 
this character and her mm-hmm. name. And so instead, this more like palatable and friendly excuse was was you know created, which is oh, it's just too difficult to say her name, and that's why it was changed. Okay, yeah. Which to me sounds not that believable, mm-hmm. uh, but but I don't know. Maybe I'm just maybe I have my tinfoil hat on. No, I, I get a really plausible explanation. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, you you mentioned before that Balu cracks a joke about how you know if he marries Balchai and then Oriel will will join his household as well. Um, I mean, what he, he says something about whoever gets to marry her will be a very lucky man indeed. Um, mm-hmm. And um, Oriel says, you know, it's really true. She is. She's a great person. She's not just good looking. She's also a very good person at heart. And um, so Balyu asks her to tell him a bit more about what Balchai is like behind closed doors. Um, and you kind of get the impression that they're kind of leaning in conspiratorially, you know. And mm-hmm. she's about to tell him when who should walk in, but... Speak of the devil. Indeed. Speak of the devil and she shall appear. Um, so Balchai <laughs> enters at that point. Um, and she says... You know, the two of you are very quiet in there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so she says, uh, Yeah, so why are you so silent in here? Uh, <laughs> and, th- and then she's like, oh, by the way, you should have Oriol. I-, I guess we kind of obscured this in our discussion, mm. but Bao Yu had forgotten the actual reason <laughs> for Oriol. Uh, coming over, he, he had told her, "Well, I, I want a, f- a few of these things, a few of these things. Yeah. You know, give me the uh, give me the works, yeah, kind of thing." Maybe his beating has like knocked loose a few brain cells, you know. Right. He had he had specifically wanted this um, this case for the jade, and he'd forgotten in, until this moment that that's what the the whole purpose of her, her of her visit was. Yeah. And it, it took Bao Chai to remind them. Uh, so it's kind of uh, like another. Yet another um, example of classic Baoyu blundering. <laughs> uh. um, so they then have a discussion of different colors and what would work. And they settle on gold thread and a fine black bugle thread to be twisted together in a pattern. Okay, in this part, I'm going to say my vote is for definitely symbolic. <laughs> so talk did, me you, did you feel this? Well, okay. I, well, I mean, my understanding was okay. So she's saying here in the track in the Hawks translation, it says, "Let's see," said Bao Chai. So before they'd been kind of like going back and forth on on um, colors and fabrics, but um, by contrast, Bao Chai has a really resolved sense for you know what the colors should be, and she says, "You know, uh, the brighter colors aren't going to work, right?" Crimson would be bad. Yellow wouldn't be a sufficient contrast. Black would be too heavy. And then finally, she says, "Well, what if we take a, a gold thread and a like a, a fine black thread and then twist them together? Yeah, intertwine the two." And my interpretation of that is, you know, this is Bao Yu, and so he kind of has eyes for everybody, right? And so, like, you know, Crimson is a character in this garden and, and Bao Yu has shown interest in crimson at least once in the past mm-hmm. right um yellow we were just talking about how oriole herself is associated with yellow right mm-hmm. it's her 
it's her um it's her surname so it's like you know i'm sure it's it's almost as if like unconsciously Chai is saying you know i know you're infatuated with my my maid now but she's not the one for you you know or, or right uh and then black would be too heavy i i couldn't help but interpret that as you know if it's just die you it's just too goth <laughs> you know it's too too much uh I, I don't know too much like yeah plain black plain black would be too much just too much gloom too much doom you gotta you gotta balance it out and so you have to have both sides of you know according to the story the uh, the quote-unquote like like female essence right and so you have to take the the gold bao chai thread and you have to uh weave it together with the black Yu thread yeah. and then you get then you get the perfect but, uh, but not just a black thread a black pearl thread here then the chinese is hey drawers yeah exactly right and this is a case where hawks kind of buries a lead right and so what, what he has as he calls it a very fine black bugle thread i, I don't know let me have a look what that's a reference to i i agree yeah it's him burying the lead again and i suppose that maybe is a a deliberate choice in a way maybe he feels like the r- repeated symbolism is too heavy right Dayu means black jade right and hey jewel is black mm-hmm. pearl pearl jade both kind of you know like precious kind of jewels um mm-hmm. they're they're kind of ornamentation I, I i think yeah very much it's i mean jew even has you know the jade um radical yeah and and also we said in the past that she's very closely associated with that kind of crimson pearl flower from the from the early chapters of the book mm-hmm. exactly yeah yeah exactly the the changju uh, that can't be a coincidence if it is and the I, <laughs> I guess there's just too many we're lost because there's just too many fine jade distinctions and we've we're just running roughshod over them um, I, I don't think well, so though <laughs> anyway Balyu is very pleased with this suggestion and so he orders that it's made um he calls for aroma to bring the golden thread but she enters carrying two plates of food looking puzzled um and so i might just read directly from the hawks here i can't understand it she said someone's just brought me these from her ladyship bayou responds of course bayou responds oh i expect i expect they had more than they wanted there so she sent you this to share with the others no said aroma they said it was for me personally but I'm not to go over and kowtow for it. I don't know what to make of it. And so she's she's kind of confused because, yeah, she's been given this gift of food. It's specifically for her, but she's not required to go and give any kind of gesture of thanks for receiving it. And so we can see she's... In the previous chapter, she had impressed Lady Wang, um, which is who's referred to here as her ladyship. She impressed Lady Wang with her kind of insight and understanding of Baoyu in his situation. And so we can see that Lady Wang is maybe beginning to mark her out as being uh, a, in a kind of separate class of servants from the rest. You know, she's she's saying there's something kind of special about her um, and is kind of recognizing that. And with new responsibility comes Indeed. Uh, special favors. Indeed. Like this meal, um, I guess. And then Bao Chai makes a kind of remark, which seems to be uh, an indication that 
uh, you know, Aroma's stock is yeah. Uh, rising. Yeah. So, so, what's the um, what exactly is the exchange here between Balchai and Aroma? Uh, in the Hawks, it says, you know, um, but it, this has never happened before, said Aroma. I feel so embarrassed. Then Balchai, it reads, Balchai's lips puckered up mockingly. Embarrassed. Before very long, you're going to have much yeah. more than this to feel embarrassed about. Uh, and then, you know, it goes on to say that, you know, Balchai doesn't mm. speak uh, lightly, right? And it's, it's this remark is sure to carry with it sort of um, a lot yeah. of uh, like significance yeah. it's foreshadowing she, she, something. she recognizes that in the hawks he just says you know that she didn't make these kind of comments triflingly um, the Chinese is uh, which is to be like to be unkind or sharp tongued I suppose and uh, to sneer or scoff so yeah so it's not merely that she doesn't make trifling remarks but that this isn't intended even to be in a, like an unkind um, remark, um, but I, I don't know exactly what to make of it. What what, what was your um, what was your view of what this means? I, I just think it means that um, that Bao Chai knows that um, you know Lady Wang has you know um, set her sights on Aroma, and that you know maybe she's going to play a big part in whatever happens in the future. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. We we, we heard in the previous chapter a while ago but there was a uh, Balchai and Aroma actually had a had a chat themselves and and Balchai was kind of very favorably impressed by Aroma's intellect um and understanding and so mm. maybe she um she also kind of recognizes that she she will have an important part to play and so we're toward the end of the chapter now um I guess the the final maybe the final thing to talk about is a kind of a serving of fruit arrives from uh, Lady Xing, yeah, and uh, Bao Yu, as is you know uh, as he is wont to do, mm -hmm. he divides it in half and, and plans to give half to Dai Yu, who again in that very moment kind of emerges on the scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. Did you have any interpretation of that? My kind of, my, I almost had this like feeling like, well, like, was she maybe outside the whole time? Like, <laughs> was she spying again? Was she eavesdropping? Eavesdropping, and then she she heard that like, oh, the the fruit's gonna be for me, so I might as well intercept it before you know it goes too far. Yeah, I suppose so. I, I I'm not sure exactly, but I do find it very believable that she could have been eavesdropping, that she could have just been listening in because, yeah, she's right. it's not like she hasn't done that before. But yeah, it's not entirely clear in the text. I think it's open to interpretation. Lady Xing, as we know, is the wife of Jia She. So that's the older brother of Jia Zheng, Bao Yu's father, who isn't that frequently featured in the text. Although yeah. it's his son, Jia Lian, who is married to Wang Xifeng. So indirectly, he's kind of... Yeah, involved that way and all we really know about Lady Xing is that she is often been quite keen to kind of have Bao Yu on side and she's often quite um, she shows a certain degree of favoritism towards him I suppose um, right but we, we right. haven't seen that much of her she's often a, a very kind of secondary character um, so any kind of uh, what do you think any, any final remarks I think that this is a very kind of transitional chapter you know um, mm -hmm. 
yeah. a lot of different things happening, um, carrying us forward. Um, we are nearly uh, we're we're reaching chapter thirty seven, which is um, which I think is kind of like a the beginning of a new stage in the, in the novel, um, which is where we not to have any kind of give any spoilers away, but we have the the founding of the Crabtree Club, which is this this poetry club, right? And and I think that that brings the the plot forward in a, in um, in different ways. So we're kind of coming yeah. coming to the end of one stage of the one one stage one phase of the novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're going to see in the next chapter how, at least for the time being, um, it, it seems as if Baoyu is even you know traveling even deeper into the seclusion of the garden. Mm. Um, and it's maybe it's maybe the seclusion and isolation that allows them to uh, like form this club and, and to you know en- engage in this uh, like gameplay and uh, spontaneous meaning making, which I'm I'm really yeah. looking forward to like discussing uh, in the next you know in the, in the chapters to follow. Um, yeah. So so I, I think this is a pretty important yeah another another kind of a transitional. No, next time around, we'll have chapter 36, which is subtitled Balchai visits Green Delights and hears strange words from a sleeper. Balyu visits Pear Tree Court and learns hard facts from a performer. Um, so uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been another uh, exciting installation of rereading the stone. Um, as usual, we want you to get in contact with us. You can find us on Twitter. Rereading Stone, the Facebook page. Uh oh, you seem to have frozen.